Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, as you could tell by the title of this episode, we're digging back into the archive a little bit to pull out one of our favorite conversations, how to win the daily battle with sin, and reposting this conversation for you today. I hope it's a blessing for you as you enter into this new week, and we pray that you're strengthened and encouraged knowing that Jesus has defeated the power of sin once and for all, but that he's living with you and wants to help you overcome daily the temptations that come your way. So we pray that you're strengthened through this conversation. Have a great day, and here we go. All right, Nate, back at it with another episode. Uh, We're going to talk about how to win the daily battle with sin. No big deal. Oh, just a small little subject. Yeah, maybe like two or three points, just kind of... (laughs) There. Hey, before we get into that, um, just want to keep reminding you guys, uh, Pastor Nate's new book, Let Us Hear, um, studies on the seven letters of Christ in Revelation 2 through 3. Um, this book is coming out soon. You can pre-order it on uh, Amazon, get the hardcover copy, get it on your Kindle, whatever is easiest for you. Um, that's coming up, but um, be sure to check it out. It's going to be a great, encouraging word, I think, to to the church. But you're so nice to keep on to continue mentioning it. You didn't ask me. I just again. I love yeah. it. I want people to know about it. You know, it's really nice of you. But if this podcast advertises this book one more time, I'm gonna unsubscribe. Well, you told I mean. me I get five bucks every time <laughs> I say something, so I gotta say something. <laughs> Unsubscribing. Oh man. Hey, let's get into this episode. We're talking yeah. about how to win the daily battle with sin. This is a passage or a, an article you wrote, um, kind of springing from the Book of Romans, mm-hmm. chapter six. Um, I thought, Nate, as we get into this article, I thought you could kind of give us a little bit of a backstory, um, telling us about uh, the gospel sequence laid out in Romans up until this point. I we don't have time to go into everything, but you mentioned in the article how Paul didn't open up the letter to the, the Romans with the command to not let sin reign over their bodies. He led up to it. Um, so can you kind of explain just what was Paul trying to do in those earlier chapters, and then we can kind of get into the the meat of this article. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, it's a great way of asking the question. So Romans 6 is where you finally begin to get some instruction from right. Paul on how to live Practical. your life. In the first five and a half chapters of the book of Romans, it's uh, there's only one thing really to do for human beings, and that's to place their faith in Christ. Mm. Uh, Everything else is uh, the fall of man, the depravity of man, the brokenness of man, the inability of mankind or humanity Mm -hmm. to save themselves. I like to throw the women in there too. It's not just mankind. It's all of humanity. (laughs) It's just broken and lost. Yeah, Yeah, everyone's fallen short of the glory of God. So God made a way apart from the law for a person to be saved. You know, so I guess that is a possible, you know, it was kind of like the possibility, like, okay, (laughs) how could I be right in the sight of God? Well, keep the moral revealed conscience, Mm -hmm. uh, religious law of God Mm -hmm. perfectly forever your whole life and be born without a sin nature to do so. Like it just didn't happen. happen. So we all fall short of the glory of God. So righteousness apart from the law was revealed in Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, God put forth Jesus as the propitiation, the satisfaction of his Mm -hmm. divine justice, need for justice. He put Jesus forth as the satisfaction for that. Uh, Jesus atoned for our sin. He took that our place. He shed his blood on our behalf. He became the sacrifice. So when we believe, he deposits, God does, the righteousness, the standing, the perfection of Jesus into our account. So we get righteousness from God. We get approval, you know, right standing. Like we're friends with God. Right. Again, we're sons and daughters of the living God. And, you know, we've been transferred from what we were in Adam to now being in Christ. And so Romans 6, Paul begins to talk about what it means to be in mm. Christ. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, really what he's dealing with when we, once you get to Romans 6 is kind of this question of, all right, well, if, if all that's true and it's such a radical thing that humans could do nothing God had to do everything Hmm. and you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more Then, should we just keep on trucking along in our sin after we've met the Lord, after we've been saved, should we continue to sin uh, so that more grace can come? And Paul's answer is, you know, certainly not, it's not what we're supposed to do. And for him, the reason was not just this pragmatic, you know, like, well, you know, you can't do that. You know, I've heard a lot of Christians talk about this and it's kind of, that's their thing. Like, well, you can't do that. That wouldn't be right. Well, that's not how Paul felt about it. I mean, there, there may be some places where he talks about that would not be a right response to the Lord. That would not be a right response to the gospel. But to him, it was a big identity thing. Like that's just totally incongruent. You can't do that because how could you who have died to sin live anymore in it? Like you are dead to sin and you are alive to God. Mm -hmm. God's whole destiny and design for you is to now live in the newness of life that is yours in Christ. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose from the dead. And when you became a believer, it was as if you spiritually died with him, were buried with him, and rose from the dead with him. So you're new. So how could you keep Mm -hmm. on going in that old life? You're a new creature in Christ. So his big exhortation in Romans 6.11 was so consider yourself or reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. Mm-hmm. The idea being that that that's what Jesus is. Jesus is not waking up in eternity going like I am alive to sin. Right. And I feel dead to God. You know, I feel so far from God and I feel so just like tempted and awake to sin. No, Jesus has died, buried, ascended after the resurrection to the right hand of the Father. So he's just as alive to God as you could possibly be and as dead to sin, just in a totally different category. (laughs) You know, temptation isn't even in existence in, you know, his domain where, where he is with the Father. So we're to consider ourselves to be the same thing. Now, obviously, Paul understands, like, you're feeling temptation, you're going through all that stuff, you can sin, uh, 
that's why you have to consider yourself to be this. Mm -hmm. You have to believe, okay, this is actually who I am. I am dead to sin and I am alive to God. So sin doesn't have the same power it used to have. And I am a friend of God. I'm alive mm. to God. I'm with God. And that's hard for a lot of Christians to believe, I think, because we feel, I think, we, we feel the exact opposite usually. We feel right. that we're dead to God and alive right. to sin. Mm-hmm. So then after saying that, he gives some practical instructions, and that's where we come to in Romans, 12, uh, Romans 6, 12 to 14, about, so don't let sin reign in your mortal body. That's the thing that will, you know, enter into sin. And um, don't obey its passions anymore. And here's how. And then that's what this article was about. Yeah, I love that, man. It's, it's just important, again, to remember our position in Christ. We just recently recorded a podcast episode about Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And just talking all about how this identity in Christ just colors the way we live our lives. It's just so good. But yeah, let's talk about these um, different steps that you um, that you mentioned in the article. The first one is why it's important to resist sin. You wrote down uh, when we do resist sin, we are giving away. Um, I'm sorry. When we get when we do, I give in to sin. We are giving away the throne. Uh, sin begins to take possession. Um, you know, I think we all know that sin is wrong um but sometimes we often just glaze over the effects of sin in our lives right um so can you kind of talk to us uh, what is happening to us as we give into sin and why is it important for us to resist sin? yeah i heard a john piper sermon one time where he talked about this passage and it was really cool because he he really went off on like the imagery of uh castle hmm and like your body is like that castle yeah and there's a throne inside the castle uh and whoever's seated on the throne is the one that's in charge so your mortal body is that castle sin wants to sit on the throne Hmm. so how can sin sit on the throne well sin will appeal to your desires yeah totally it will appeal to your desires so you want to his whole thing was you know you want to resist the sinful desire because once you give in then it begins to sit upon the throne and it begins Mm. to reign so the whole battle is for supremacy who's going to reign who's going to be in charge who's going to be top dog so he says in romans 6 verse 13 do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness so just consider that like I don't know, just consider that things that you can do with your body, they're like a gateway into supremacy, you know, mm. or to the throne, you know, to, to actually get there. So, you know, thinking about like, okay, the process that happens of enslavement where like I give in to an appetite and that appetite enters in. And so, so what's happening is sin is using the conduit or the highway of that desire that I have to get supremacy in my life to get upon that throne so Hmm. you know realizing like okay that's the process that's that's happening Uh, that's not who I am I've considered myself I've reckoned myself to be dead to sin and alive to God so the true me sin Hmm. doesn't have that power right the true me 
I'm alive to God, but this body has appetites and desires that sin is trying to use in a twisted kind of way to get sovereignty over me again. Yeah. And to like practically win, whereas experience or uh, positionally, God has won. Yeah. You know, for me or over me. So we have to resist surrendering our bodies to sin. And that is just basically, uh, when he says that, he's talking about body parts. I mean, that's what he says. Do not present your members to sin. It's your body parts. You know, like sometimes I think we make it too complicated. He's talking about my ears, my eyes, my hands, my sex organs, everything. All my body parts are my members, members of my body. So, you know, what are you using your tongue for? Mm. Uh, You know, James talks about the tongue being used to start a huge fire, you know, that destroys and, uh, you know, just lacerates the people in its path. Mm -hmm. Um, That is using a body part and presenting it as an instrument for unrighteousness which is only leading to further slavery. So right. just thinking about your individual body parts and thinking about, okay, the first step is, you know, eventually he's going to say, you want to give those body parts to God. Right. But kind of step one is don't relinquish them to unrighteousness. You know, mm-hmm. don't give them over to things of unrighteousness. So I think it's just good to let the spirit kind of do some searching at that point with a truth like that and just think about our everyday lives you know are there things that i'm uh, reading are there things that i'm watching are there Mm. things that i'm consuming are there words that i'm saying or typing are there places that my feet are taking me Mm. Uh, are there things that i'm spending on is there is are there things that i'm doing that are actually just opening the door for sin to become my master because I'm just slowly presenting my body parts as instruments of unrighteousness. Wow. It's wild, man. It's a fascinating way to think about sin. I think that it's just so easy to just be like, oh, yeah, I, I sinned today. Like, oh, Lord, please forgive me and just kind of keep moving. But to realize what's actually happening and what we're doing with our bodies, I think that puts a new weight mm-hmm. to it. So that's important. Um, you said in the next step, and you just alluded to this, um, the next step is kind of putting in your energy into presenting your body to God. Uh, you said if we only concentrate on abstaining from presenting our body parts for sin, we're in a dangerous place. Our bodies must be presented uh, to something. We must present them to God. So can you talk to us about that? Um, you did just allude to it, but what does it mean to present our bodies to God, and why is God interested in in our bodies yeah so he's interested in our bodies for a lot of reasons one is they're eternal yeah so if if we're saved then those bodies are going to be with him eternally in a different form than they are today but paul says in first corinthians 15 that they're like a seed Mm -hmm. of the body that's coming so they're not uh, an unspiritual thing Mm -hmm. in the mind of god that's good Uh, they're of eternal value Mm -hmm. and significance I think another reason that he's interested in them is because uh, when we do enter into eternity with God, those bodies of ours will experience glorification. Mm -hmm. So things like faith and hope 
are uh, they're not things that we're going to need in that glorified state. Yeah. So these bodies are kind of our chance to walk by faith, not by sight. Maybe another way of saying that is to bring God glory. You know, my body is meant to exist for his glory. And then it's not just that God wants to use our bodies for his uh glory in the sense that you know my mouth is to praise him my ears are to hear him but our bodies are meant to be on a mission from god Mm. you know we're meant to engage in the work of his kingdom so if i'm always presenting my members for as in as an instrument of unrighteousness then it kind of takes me out of the game or the possibility of being able to be useful to God. Mm. You know, Paul talked to Timothy about um, being a vessel that is worthy, you know, a vessel that can be yeah. used by God, mm. not a vessel of unworthiness, but a worthy vessel. So I'm to use my mouth to glorify him, to speak truth about him, to hear what people are going through. But I think also another reason that God is so interested in our bodies is because he's interested in us. He cares about yeah, us. He loves us. Good, yeah. So, you know, someone will say like, well, man, why is, why is the Bible, you know, say so much about, you know, my sex life and why can't God just leave me alone? He just, what's his problem? Is he some kind of pervert or something? And it's like, no, God loves you. Yeah. And he sees what you're doing to yourself. Yeah. He believes because he designed you that you are embracing something that is lesser than what you could have. Mm. So he's going to speak to you about that straight and up. talk to you about that because he cares about you. Yeah. He doesn't like that. This is happening in your life and we got some sirens going on in the background right now. <laughs> I, I just love it. I hope the microphone picks that up, <laughs> but, um, and I hope everybody's okay. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, you asked why is God interested? I think a lot of different reasons he's interested, but, but important for us to consider as Christians, he is thinking about, he is interested in your body. I think sometimes believers have this weird, uh, view of things that are spiritual, uh, having to do with God, that it's just all cerebral or heart or soul or spirit and that there's this like hard dichotomy in God's mind and that what you do with your body doesn't matter to him. And he's just interested in, you know, you, you know, having a a long time of prayer or, you know, meditation on his word or something like that, but doesn't care what you do with the rest of your life. No, he's very concerned with your body. He wants you to present your body as an instrument of righteousness. Hmm. I love that, just bringing in that connection to the body, to the spirit, and how God really is interested in, in all of it. He's interested in all of it. Um, one of the things you talk about with the body is that you said, you, you said uh, many believers never understand the joy of giving their bodies to God. Uh, per- perhaps they avoid sin, and that seems joyful enough to them, but there is so much more. Can you just speak to the joy that occurs when we give our bodies to God? Has there been maybe even something in your life that as you've just given your body to God, you've been like, that's just been like a joy. Oh yeah, man. Just every week, you know, cause <laughs> it's just sin is, 
just ugly and the battle is just constant so you know we are we are a selfish species you know thinking about the self even when we're pumped up on twitter acting like we're thinking about other people we're just kind of thinking about ourselves you know we're just a selfish species and there's just something beautiful about when you take your body and you use it to listen to somebody Mm. or to help somebody to speak encouragement into somebody's life to provide practical aid to somebody to provide a good or a service to somebody to help somebody get healthy or whole to organize something Mm. for somebody to provide just a helpful gesture to clean up you know to change a diaper there's just something about these little or big things that we do in service to someone else that can really set us free give us a lot of perspective Mm -hmm. and and really help us it kind of show us like what life is really all about so it's it's beyond just the you know he didn't stop with make sure you don't submit your bodies as members of unrighteousness Mm -hmm. full stop he kept going and said but present your members as instruments of righteousness Mm -hmm. and i think it makes me sad that there are so many christians where the bulk of really what they're about is what they don't do you know and what they abstain from Mm -hmm. and there's something to that i mean that there are things that we are to abstain from and this is what this text is telling us you know don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness but you're just missing out on so much life if you don't allow yourself to volunteer to give your body as an instrument of righteousness to really you know chip in Mm. absolutely you kind of wrap up the article with this final step and it seems like it just really revolves around uh, God's grace. You wrote, many believe it is through law-keeping that sin is eradicated, uh, but it is a grace relationship that leads to real transformation and power. And it just seems like when I read this, I was like, this is like the magic sauce, I think. Um, We can remember our position in Christ. We can abstain from sin. We can present our bodies to God, but it seems like the relationship with God is kind of what holds it all together motivates us and moves us forward. Um, But can you talk to us, how does a relationship with God truly lead us to victory over sin? Yeah. So, I mean, really what I just pointed out was from the 14th verse, sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law, but under grace. So we have to remember we're not, under the law we're Mm -hmm. under grace and i i think that part of the reason that he mentioned that here is because uh you know for a lot of people when they think about not presenting their bodies as members of unrighteousness or presenting their bodies as members of righteousness they think the way that's going to happen is through self-effort yeah and through just basically a new form of of law keeping Mm -hmm. but you know, to Paul, 
when you get to Romans 7, that's where he really explained that law keeping was the thing that made sin worse. Mm -hmm. He also talked about it in chapter 5 too. Uh, And the law kind of would restrict evil a little bit, but it also revealed evil too. Never really controlled anybody. So when we enter into a grace relationship with God, one where we understand I'm not in a legal thing with him. I'm in a grace experience with him. It really begins to set us free. You know, the analogy Paul will use in Romans 7 is that of marriage, that Mm -hmm. we used to be married to the law. And the example he gives is if you have a husband and wife and the the wife just goes and lives with another man, she's an adulteress. But if the husband dies, then she's free to remarry. And he uses that analogy to point out not that the law died, but that we died with Jesus. And so it's like an even more severe or radical version of freedom that we have. The law is still living. Um, That's why we sometimes go back to it. But we died to it in Christ. And now our relationship is one where we've been now married to God through the law. I mean, excuse me, through grace. So kind of like realizing not just that I'm in a grace based relationship with God, yeah, but realizing the power of God's grace, that it is pulling me towards righteousness. Part of God's grace is the law of the spirit. That's what if uh, Romans four will get into that the spirit is pulling me into sanctification. Mm. So it's not just a, um, like, Hey, every day, get ready. The battle's coming. Don't give your body parts as members of unrighteousness. Do give your body as members of righteousness and just like, it's going to be so hard, so tough, but just get it. Grit your teeth, man. Yeah. But it's, it's more about like, yeah, there, there will be some difficulties in that. Obviously, you know, the temptation's a very real thing, but do you believe that you're in this grace, uh, and have this like favor, this power, this Mm. strength from God that he's given to you to help you overcome. So just realizing the power of God's grace in this process. I love it. It's really important. Yeah, it's all process. Every step is important. It's so good. Nate, just to close this out, do you have any other thoughts about um, maybe just speaking towards our church or to people who are listening? Um, any last words about just how to win the daily battle with sin? Oh, I'm, I'm really glad that we got to talk about this this particular article because it's so long i don't think anybody read it <laughs> stop it people read it <laughs> so I'm, I'm really you know glad to to talk about it. i mean romans 6 is one of my favorite chapters yeah, in rich, scripture man. it's a real pinnacle passage for me so it's it's a big part of my heart that people would uh, have a deeper understanding of what's happening in that chapter and then also seven and eight and then of course everything leading up to it as well but it just to me th- there is this uh, there is this newness of life that the mm-hmm. lord wants us to be able to walk in Amen. and it's not a newness of life that comes by being phony 
you know i think that's a pressure that sometimes people feel you know is that we need to like really fake it for other people you know Mm -hmm. to fake holiness but if you're faking it like you're you're not only are you doing others a disservice but you're you're doing yourself a disservice as well because Mm -hmm. you're just presenting your body parts as members of unrighteousness Mm -hmm. it's got a holy look to it but it's unholy in nature and my encouragement would just be like try to find other believers that believe that there is this battle this there is this war there is this need to like i mean you talk to some christians and it's like oh well it doesn't sound like you even need to reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to god because it just sounds like the way you're describing yourself it sounds like that's just your experience sounds like you're in heaven already (laughs) Yeah, man. And to find people that can walk through the Christian life with you where they recognize, like, we want holiness. We're Mm -hmm. shooting for that. We desire that. We don't want sin to sit on the throne. But it's a real process and a real struggle. And it takes a lot of considering ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. It takes a lot of consciously presenting our bodies to the right things and not the wrong things an atmosphere of grace where we believe that God is working. So, I mean, if, if anything, I really would love that for our church family, you know, that we would, you know, I don't know that real is the right word for it, you know, Mm -hmm. be more real. That just kind of conjures up the wrong images, I think for me, but more of just that spirit that, Hey, this is, we're, we're on this journey together. This can get sloppy at times. We, we want to get that. We want to get there. And to not ha- try to self-present as if we're already glorified. Oh, yeah. like nobody sure. is. So let's just go on this sanctification journey together. If you'd like any more content from Pastor Nate, you can always find more resources at nateholdridge.com or calvary.com. And if you'd like to stay in touch just with what Pastor Nate is speaking about and writing about on a regular basis, you can go to nateholdridge.com and sign up for his newsletter there. Also, be on the lookout for Pastor Nate's new book called Let Us Hear. It's coming out soon, and you can pre-order it today online. Thanks again for joining us today in this conversation, and until next time, God bless you.